Hi everyone, this is Mike Boyd with Viados Recon, and today I am extremely fortunate to have Alex Andreas, the COO of the Mercado Otter Group. Thank you for joining me today, Alex. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. First of all, I have to say this is the best location I've ever recorded a podcast at. Could you tell uh, everyone where we're at? Yeah, so we're at uh, Ocean Cadillac today. We're inside our museum. This is uh, my partner Mario's uh, personal collection or part of his personal collection. Uh, and I, I do an injustice uh, going through the cars. He could tell you every detail about every car that's in here. He tracked them down specifically and uh, and wanted to make it part of his uh, his collection. Yeah, because actually, I believe the last time I was at your Mazda store mm -hmm. and there was quite a few cars there too. We did, we, had, uh, we were waiting for this to get built and we had cars scattered through a few of our stores and we've finally been able to put them all together and on display here for, uh, for our customers to see and really for uh, for us all to enjoy it is, it is a cool place I, I come walk through here every once in a while just to to uh, remind myself how fun it is to be in this business so you've been in the business how long now speaking of that yeah you know it's been a long time I was talking about that with somebody the other day and I almost felt bad how I used to be the young guy um, around and, and now I'm becoming that old guy so uh, it uh, I started when I was 13 years old my mom had gotten me a part-time job and that was, uh, let's see, I turned 50 this year, so do the math, what is that, 37 years? Um, at least 10. Yeah, at least at least 10, but uh, it was a great experience and, and worked through every department uh, in, the, in the dealership, from accounting to parts, you name it, I've worked it all. Uh, and it's, uh, it's helped me, I think, every, every step along the way, it showed me how to do things, the good ways, the bad ways, um, and what to watch out for. So right now your title? So I'm the chief operating officer for our for our group, for the Mercado Automotive Group. And I believe it's 18 stores, correct? 18 dealerships, yeah. So that keeps you kind of busy. It does, but we're lucky. We've got some great general managers throughout our group, and so they, they make me look good. I think that's the key, isn't it? It's the right people in the right places. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. And uh, and just providing them the support, we, we really give them a lot of autonomy to do what they, they need to do. It, uh, each store is different. It's each market's different. Each brand is different. The customers in the stores are different. The the team that are in the stores are different. So it'd be silly for me to tell them how to run the store when they're the ones involved every day and, and in the middle of it. So we were talking right beforehand, and you were mentioning about giving the autonomy to the managers. Mm -hmm. But obviously, autonomy has to be earned, and I'm sure a certain amount of that is mm -hmm. from the top up, mm -hmm. right? As the COO, making sure you're doing what's right for the brand and for the company. So with that autonomy, how do you monitor that? How do you measure that they're doing what you want done? So, so that autonomy is not free reign. It is, um, for those of you that have gone to Disney World, if you go, there's a, uh, like a, a bumper car ride or, or a, a car ride where you can go a little to the left and you can go a little to the right, but we won't let you get off the track. Um, and that's kind of the way we run the stores. And so we, uh, we have engagement with our general managers. I have a weekly call with most of our general managers. Some of the general managers I talk to every day, multiple times a day. Um, you know who you are. Um, and, uh, and in that conversation, we, we talk about where the store is at. And so we've got a little bit of structure to it. Um, so the structure will start off usually with some housekeeping and then we move into performance um, and how we're doing in, in the departments and how the store is doing as a whole versus what we projected that store to do and what we can do to, to improve on it. And if we're doing well and blowing something you know, out of the water, then what did we do to make that work so that I can share it with the rest of our team and the, uh, the GMs? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, when you're looking at these numbers and you're talking to the team, are they 
they all speak up or is it more of a readout? How do you facilitate that meeting? No, so the, the meetings are individual meetings. So it just be me and a general manager on that on that call. We have our controllers jump in at the beginning for 10 minutes for that housekeeping part um, so they can share any concerns or anything that we need to talk about. And uh, and then it's just the dialogue. It's a Zoom call most of the time. And now with, you know, the 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 the, the acceleration that we've had with acceptance of Zoom calls and being able to see each other. We've got cameras at every store. That's, that's one of the things that we've implemented. Uh, even before COVID, we made sure that we had video cameras at all of our stores so that whether we were talking to a vendor or talking with each other, we could see each other because it's too easy to disconnect when you're on a Zoom call. It keeps us engaged. So when you're working with your teams, and now I obviously you're a very progressive group, but you mentioned that you already had cameras installed. You were already moving that way. Yeah, we um, we we noticed on uh, on some calls that we had with some vendors, um, and we, we use outside vendors to really help us mirror things throughout our, our dealerships where we feel that it's that it's warranted. And when you get on a call or we had a call with, with some vendors, we noticed that there wasn't 100% engagement. You'd ask a question and it'd take a couple seconds for somebody to react or they'd ask for that question to be repeated again. And that was a sign for us that, okay, maybe they're not 100% involved in this in this call. And so we went and had them install video cameras on their on their PCs so that we could see them. And so every time we were getting on with the vendor or with our, or each other, we'd have that camera put on. We asked our vendors to get cameras um, so they could jump on so that they could see us and make sure that we're, we're engaged and that they're engaged. Um, and it, uh, it's worked out well. I like that. So you made an investment in your team, but at the same point, it allows to facilitate the meetings better yep. to get the most out of it. Because it's not about more touch points. No, no, definitely not. It's just making, if we're going to be on a call, we're going to spend some time on a call. Let's make it worth our while. Get them back out to selling cars. Yep. It makes perfect sense. So let's switch over and talk about the market. Now, obviously, things have been in flux for a while. I mean, mm -hmm. the car market is always moving up and down. But in the last couple of years, and even recently, there's been a lot of changes. Could you give us what your take is on where the market's at for car sales? Where it's at, gosh, it, um, <clears throat> let's see, I think, I think we're in a, um, I think possibly a turning point. We, we've, we're seeing inflation go up, we're seeing interest rates go up. Uh, we've definitely seen some decreases in shopper counts out there in the used car market. Um, and we've seen prices drop on some models. You know, we were looking at stuff five, six months ago and, you could do no wrong. Whatever you bought, whatever you took in on trade, it was going to be worth more a couple of weeks later. Don't worry about it. Um, and the biggest struggle was, do I keep the car for retail or do I wholesale it and just make a profit and uh, and move on? I think today there there's a, it's a much different used car market. You're seeing some cars that have plummeted. Uh, I, I think the luxury SUV market has probably suffered the most, um, and we've seen those come down. But on the other side, we're seeing cars in that twenty to thirty thousand price range really holding on strong and moving pretty well. But uh, that's today. You know, we've I'd, I'd be naive in trying to predict what's going to happen even over the next few days. It, uh, we've seen so many, so many things that none of us could have expected over the last few years. That I, I, uh, you just got to be ready. You just got to be ready for whatever comes your way, and that means staying lean and and turning what you have quickly because. You don't know what's around the corner. So how do you stay lean? How do you prepare your team and keep them prepared to be able to pivot? 
making sure what we have is fresh, making sure that the cars are turning in and out, that, that mentality that we had before COVID, which was get the cars in, get them ready and online as fast as you can and market them aggressively so that you can get them to sell. And if they're not getting any attention, don't get hung up on a car, wholesale it and move out and bring the next car in. So how does technology figure into that? Oh, it, it uh, you know, we've become just so reliant on, on technology. I, I think uh, somebody was asking me the other day, I was, I was actually talking to a dealer and he, uh, he was telling me how he used to work out leases by hand and, and I did the it. thermal paper yeah. on the faxes. And, uh, and we just and, dated each other, yeah. by the way, we just <laughs> went back a few years. And, and you look today and if the internet goes down, you're done. Your whole dealership stops. There's nothing you can you can do. Every, can everything. you even sell a car without the internet? No, I don't. Th I don't think. I don't think uh, it could happen. I mean, just just put it on the road and pray for the best, right? But um, I mean, technology comes into play at every at every point. How we source our cars. Our, you know, we don't we don't go to auction anymore. The days of showing up at an auction and putting your hands up at an auction to buy a car that doesn't doesn't exist anymore. And if you're still doing it. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's the best use of your time. Uh, it, it, uh, it's putting in proxy bids, tracking down cars that you think will work well for you, using software to help you pick what those, what those cars are and, uh, and finding out where the holes are in your inventory, helping you source the cars, helping you recon the cars, even transportation, setting up transportation now. You know, you used to call up your, your transport guy and say, hey, I got, you know, six cars to pick up at the auction. You know, here, I'll leave you the... Uh, the slips at the uh, at the at the gate, the gate and passes. get the gate passes so you can leave. That doesn't exist anymore. And, and now you go online and use some tool to to go and you know pick up pick up cars for you and uh, and they show up. And when they get here, you start the whole process through through recon and keep track of that and and then market them on online and make sure that everything's getting pushed out the way that it needs to to all these uh, online sources. Um, and and use it's, it's uh, it use every piece of technology that you can to to get that car out to market. So it's it's unbelievable how much it's changed over the years. But you know I don't need to tell anyone that we've all we've all been through it. So the job to be done hasn't changed. We still buy, repackage, and resell cars, but the way we do it is not physical. It's moved to the virtual, and it sounds like the biggest difference is it's all data driven, or at least in your case, they're data driven decisions. So you're using all the different tools, those insights in your history to keep track of everything that's happening, but also to try to make the best logical decision for the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely data driven. Um, but what you need to be careful of is, that, you know, you can't have that complete disconnect between experience and, and that customer touch point. There still is, uh, there's, there's still a vital role in what we, in what we do. The, the data, all the software, it all helps. Um, but it's just a tool um, and think, you know, sometimes guys take it to another extreme and they, they just want to rely solely on the tool. And it's got to be a combination and a blend of, of the two, knowing, knowing your market, understanding your market. And even if the data is telling you otherwise, you know, great, you can experiment with with that and give it a shot, uh, but never lose that that, you know, that that gut or that instinct that you so have. So don't remove the car guy from the business, yeah, just absolutely. make sure you offset it with real data, real analytics to help bring you back center. Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. And the same thing on the retail side. It, it uh, <clears throat> you know, there's there's something to be said about getting face-to-face -face with, the, with the customer and understanding and, and customers still want to feel comfortable where they buy cars. And we've, we've driven them away, I think sometimes to, to other independents. 
um, because we don't make the experience great. And so it, it uh, you know, I, I got to think, and maybe it's because as I'm getting older, I, I get nostalgic, but um, as, as, as much as I embrace technology, there's still something about picking up the phone or going to a store and buying something, the seeing something, touch. touching it, feeling it, and having that comfort and that relationship with the person that's helping me, even if it's just for a few seconds, um, that makes me feel like, okay, the decision I'm making is the right decision, whether it's buying a pair of shoes or going to the grocery store or going to Home Depot, um, you name it, 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 uh, it makes a difference. No, I agree with you 100%. I definitely look at sales as there are a lot of different avenues. You have the true online customer who really does not want to interact, and that's fine. We still want to sell cars. Yep. But there are also quite a few who still want to come into the dealership, like you said, and see the dealership, see mm -hmm. the car, touch and feel it before they make that decision. Yeah. How are you protecting your brand? So with so much moving online, and a lot of the process, of course, starts online before mm -hmm. they come in physically, but what type of things do you put in place or how do you make sure that at the core, when the rubber meets the road, mm -hmm. we're doing what's right for the Mergato Auto Group? Well, I, I, think, um, I think that all starts with, with the team. Right? And if, if, you, um, if you don't have the right members of the team, they're, they're gonna always push the limits uh, of things that might get you into a gray area that we don't wanna play with. Um, and uh, we, we give them some pretty basic rules, and I, uh, I tell them they've got to follow three things. It's got to be legal, it's got to be ethical, and it's got to be moral. And if they can follow those three rules, then we're going to be okay. Um, but <clears throat> we do a lot of spot checking, we do a lot of, uh, of being involved um, from watching every, uh, every response that comes in from social media to, to any review site. I get copied on every one. Um, it's 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 uh, it's a lot of work sometimes, but I just think of the flip side. And if I let a store get out of control or start to get a bad reputation, how much would that cost us? And what would how how hard would that be to turn it around? It's a lot harder to turn time. that back yeah, around. Yeah, I agree 100%. Right. So you mentioned two big things right there that I really <clears throat> like. So I definitely want everybody listening hears that again. So you mentioned guideposts. Mm -hmm. So you set rails. Right, yep. give autonomy, trust your team, work with the right people, and make sure you have the right people. But there's framework in place, and then you mentioned trust but verify. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, although social media and reviews are, uh, <clears throat> they can be challenging sometimes uh, as a as a dealer or retailer in any business. <clears throat> there's no better barometer of how your business is doing than seeing those reviews come in. It, it really, it makes it easier uh, for us to run our stores because nobody can hide, uh, nobody can, can cover something up. I mean, to a certain extent you can, but it's all out there for everybody to see. And not only is it, uh, you know, reviews that get posted, but videos and, and uh, you know, we've we've had uh, we've had customers that, that have written songs about our uh, our service department in one of our stores, and one of them wasn't so uh, so friendly. So, what do you do if you get a review that's not the best? Uh, we we run at it. We 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 go after it and say, okay, what did we do wrong? And, and at the end of the day, we want to do the right thing. And, you know, we go back to those basic principles: legal, ethical, moral. So, did we do did we do the right thing? And maybe we didn't, and we mess up like everybody else. And so, if we messed up. 
how do we how do we correct it and doesn't matter what it costs doesn't matter what the repercussions are let's make it right and then we'll figure out what caused the problem and correct the root of the problem so it doesn't happen again um, then you get the other one the other customers that sometimes are just trying to push for something that maybe isn't deserving um, or something that has nothing to do with us. And on those, we just try and handle them on a case-by-case -case basis and do the best that we can. And if it means one of us as the partners getting on the phone with the customers, it's, it's what we do. It's, it's, our, it's our business, it's, it's our reputation um, and our image that's out there. And we wanna make sure that, that everybody understands that and, and that we protect it. I think there's a very good point there. Obviously, actually, more than one point, but one that really resonates with me mm -hmm. is that you're paying attention to the consumer's voice because that is the ultimate barometer of how you're doing at the store. But when you do have someone who's not quite happy, didn't think they got the best experience for whatever reason, mm -hmm. you run at it. You're addressing it. Because I think that carries more weight with the consumer because there's only so much to be learned when everybody's happy but it's how does the dealer address the concern, whether or not you did make them happy at the end, mm -hmm. but you went at it honestly. You looked back, you said, hey, is there something we need to address? Mm -hmm. And you made it public so they could see how you attacked yeah. it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and our team, they all know it. Everybody understands and knows that we're, we're involved and we're seeing that. And so, you know, sometimes you're having a bad day and you might not give your greatest level of service as a, as, you know, as a team member. And, and, uh, and it just makes you think twice before you, you let some of that bad day out on, on one of our customers versus saying, you know what, let me, let me hold back. Let me let somebody else take care of this customer because I'm not in the right frame of mind and, uh, and ultimately do what's best for, for our organization. So you mentioned right now that things are changing right? Obviously they've been changing as we yeah. said before, but when you're looking at the things that are kind of keeping you up at night, that where the market's going, your biggest concern, mm -hmm. what's the biggest thing that you're really watching and trying to stay ahead wow, of? Wow, that's a tough question. Uh, what's my biggest concern? Um, or opportunity, I should say. Yeah, I, I would, um, you know, I, I guess there, there's concerns about things that we can control and concerns about things that we can't control. Um, the things that we, uh, there's so many that we can't control. So I try not to, not to spend too much time worrying about those. The ones that we can control, um, are on the new car side, turning our inventory fast, uh, so that we can earn more, more cars and keep that, that, uh, that going and not lose market share or allocation from the manufacturers. Uh, on the pre-owned side, uh, it's, it's staying lean. Like, like I mentioned before, having, making sure that we're not over a 30-day supply on the ground so that when the market shifts um, and we start to see those prices change and get back into some kind of normalcy that we're not caught with uh, the idea of having too many cars or too many high-priced cars um, and that would end up making us lose lose money. Um, and on the service and, and parts side, our, uh, our biggest issue has been workforce and getting uh, technicians that can that can really help us and grow our, our business and we've been very fortunate we, we've got um, we've got some great techs throughout our throughout our group uh, but um, it, it's uh, we're getting pulled from so many different areas uh, that are trying to pull our, our, our workforce and our, our team and some of our best individuals 
that we make sure that we we want to keep everybody happy, satisfied. You know, one of the things we do, you know, whether it's me, Mario, Rick, or Jeff, our other partner, when we get to any one of our dealerships, we walk through the entire dealership and we say hi to everybody. And uh, and part of that is because we think that it's just something that should be done out of out of, out of a courtesy and respect to, to everybody else, um, but because we want to have interaction with everyone. And if there's a problem, tell me, let me know what it is. Everybody's got my cell phone. Uh, I don't care what you do, where you work, um, and how well I know you. You can call me at any time, and we're, we can have a conversation about something. We might not agree, uh, but at least I'll listen to what you have to say. And, uh, and if there's something that I can do to try and correct it, I, I will definitely do it. Or I'll explain to you why we do things that way so that you can, you can have a better understanding. And sometimes that change in perception um, goes a long way. So you're inviting communication with your team. And, yeah, and that absolutely. at the key is process management really is getting the key players to understand that they have a voice and that they can make a difference and that you actually want to hear what that is. Yep. So when you mentioned staying lean, right, mm -hmm. in order to be able to pivot, you yep. always want to pay attention to your money. And there's a lot of different ways somebody could define staying lean. Now mm -hmm. you mentioned like a 30-day supply. Yep. So even with a shortage of staff, like you mentioned, and with the market moving, how, how does reconditioning figure into that? How do you stay lean and still supply your lot with cars with a diminishing yeah. workforce and harder to get cars? How, how, how does that figure in? Yeah, you know, you know I, I think as, as car dealers, I, I've always told everyone, if, if you can run a car dealership, you can probably run any business. Um, and I think the, the reason is because we, we, we get faced with so many challenges from every department. Um, and, and we learn how to deal with those, those challenges as dealers. And so when you run into issues with staffing or recon and, and handling vendors coming out to get stuff done because, you know, they might have had, you know, a body shop that you deal with might, you know, half their team might be out with COVID and you're, you're waiting on getting cars out. You, you just figure it out um, and, and you just figure out a way to get to get around it. Um, you know, we were we were talking earlier um, and we've gotten to know each other because of iRecon. Um, iRecon gives you some flexibility to move that reconditioning through different phases and, and doesn't keeps you from getting stuck in any one any one spot. And I think that's how it, it increases that flexibility that you have as a as an operator that you gotta have in every aspect of your of your business. No different than if you were busy on a Saturday and you didn't have any salespeople to handle the next customer, then you're taking it up and you're 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 demoing the car and you're figuring it out. And there's no difference. It's every part of our business, you know, we, we are um, we we learn as dealers to become very resilient and very resourceful. And we definitely reinforced that resilience over the last couple of years. Yeah. So wonderful points. So really it comes down to the job still has to be done. I mean, our job is to buy, repackage, and sell cars. And whatever that adjustment we have to make on the fly, having the right tools and people in place that know how to use them makes all the difference in the world on protecting your brand. I always enjoy talking to you as well. It, uh, you've got a different perspective um, in, uh, than, than most vendors because you've experienced it, you've done what I do and, you, and you've gone through the pain. And when I share some of the pains that I go through, I think you can relate to it a lot, a lot better and always have, uh, have good ideas on how to overcome it. So oh, I'm immediately taken back. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again. Thank you.